He said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, but for who also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And let's pray. Thank you, Lord, to give your word. And Lord, may it not be I that speaks, but may it be you that speaks through me to your people. And Lord, I ask that you anoint the message, anoint the speaker. And Lord, uh, may you bless uh, your word as it goes forth. Uh, Lord, encourage us and challenge us to be more like you in all that we say and do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want us to consider tonight these words, almost or all the way. Tonight I want us to consider almost or all the way. King Agrippa, very knowledgeable Jewish king in all the customs of the law, in all of the doctrine of the Torah, the Mosaic Law, King Agrippa, who had um, this kingship over a portion of Israel. As you may know, King Agrippa II, he is the son of King Herod Agrippa I, where if you recall in Acts 12, 22 through 23, the scripture says, of King Agrippa I, and the people give a shout saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately, Acts 12:23, the angel of the Lord smote him because, because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. King Agrippa I. Now we're looking at King Agrippa II. I want you to notice back in our text, Acts 26, 24. Turn there, please. As he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. And if you know Paul, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the strictest Jew that you can know back in that time. Uh, As you also know, he was persecuting Christians back in that day, murdering, having them murdered by others. And Paul, he was a very learned man. He knew exactly what he was talking about. Turn with me, uh, look up at verse 19 with me. Let's just get a little more background about Paul and Agrippa. Verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and all throughout all the coast of Judea and to them, the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me, having therefore ordained help of God. I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. So the law, Moses, Old Testament, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first, that he should be rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake, Festus said with a loud voice, he's interrupting Paul as he's speaking for himself. He said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. 
Paul, you are crazy. What are you doing? Yes, we believe Moses. Yes, we believe the law. Yes, we believe the Old Testament prophets. But now you're talking about Christ. You're talking about Christ. Much learning doth make thee mad. You are beside yourself, he said. I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things. The king, King Agrippa, knows these things. But for who also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. This was not hidden from anyone. King Agrippa. King Agrippa. King Agrippa. Do you believe the prophets? Do you believe the prophets? I know that thou believest. King Agrippa, I know you believe. I just finished talking about how um, Moses and the law and the heavenly vision that came to me and to those that were around me. I just finished talking to you about my experience as a Pharisee. Uh, King Agrippa, you know who I am. You know exactly what I'm all about. I am for murdering Christians. I am for having them murdered. You know who I was. This is who I was. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And then King Agrippa's response said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I want you to know that King Agrippa died in his pride. You don't see anywhere in Scripture where King Agrippa trusted Christ, but he stayed in his sin. And I believe he is lost for all eternity in hell. Now that we have an idea of who King Agrippa is, let us look at the the decision that he made. King Agrippa, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. In other words, King Agrippa is saying this, with but little persuasion, thou wouldest fain make me a Christian. King Agrippa is saying this, it will take more than this to make a Jew like me into one of those hated Christians. Tonight, I want us to consider three things in the Christian life as to whether we are almost like King Agrippa or are we all the way? Or are we all the way? Almost or all the way? My first point, almost or all the way in salvation. Turn to Acts 26, verse 27, verse 28. King Agrippa, thou believest thou the prophets, I know that thou believest. Then, King, then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost or all the way tonight. That's the simple message. Almost or all the way. How's your salvation? Are you saved? That young man, he got saved this morning. Amen. I know it. He went all the way in salvation. You see, we are very good at acting the part, at playing the part, at smelling nice, and at dressing nice, and saying all the right words. We all can do that. We all can play the act of being a Christian. Now, how many of you are all the way to being Christian? How many of you, how many of you are like King Agrippa, where you're just almost there? You see, you can deceive me. I can be deceiving you. How do you know that I'm saved? There might be an unsaved man right here speaking the word of God. I can play the I can play the part. I can dress the part. I can look the part. But let me just 
Rest assured, I am saved, and I know for sure I'm going to heaven. Shoot me now. I'm, I'm going to go see my father. How about you? Are you saved? Do you know for sure, without a shout of a doubt, without a shout of a doubt, that you're on your way to heaven? You see, if you're almost saved, let me guarantee you, you're altogether lost. If you're 99% sure you're on your way to heaven, point nine, you're on your way to hell. Boy, how hard is that? Are you almost to salvation or are you all the way? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, please. If I could share an illustration with you. A couple weeks ago, I spoke with a man, a young man, and I was sharing the gospel with him. And I was talking to him, giving him the word, showing him scripture verses, showing him scripture verses, showing him scripture verses. I just want you to know it's the power of the word that saves the soul. It's not what Michael Rivera says. And he just wasn't getting it. And I said, okay, let's look at some some of these other verses. He wasn't getting it. Let me show you some other verses. It was starting to click. Let me show you some other verses. starting to click. Let me show you some other verses that can help you. He says, yes, uh, I understand. Yeah, I know. I want to. And yeah, I understand it. Um, It just kept going on and on. He just wouldn't come to that point of, come on, brother. You need to see your need for Christ. You need to get saved today. So hold your place there in 2 Corinthians 6. You need to get saved today. Would you please make this, this decision? And he didn't make the decision to trust Christ. Even after verses, even after as much persuasion as I can help him with, to trust Christ, to get to heaven, to have a home in heaven with the Lord, he would not do it. He did not do it. I urged him. I went as far as I could go to let the Lord use me to help him. But I'm sorry to say that he's almost to salvation. Does that describe any of you? Is there any doubt in your mind tonight that you will be going to heaven? Why do we do what we do? Why do we do this? Because we want you to have a spot in heaven with the Lord. Why do we have the outreach ministries? Why do we have the bus ministries? Because we want them to know that there is a God in heaven who will save them and take them to heaven. We don't want them to be like King Agrippa, where they're almost persuaded to be a Christian. And that's what happened with this young man that I was speaking with a couple of weeks ago. He was almost there. And I showed him, James, you're not promised tomorrow. But he still not, would not make that decision. And that's a very sad thought because you live in that city. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. You don't want to risk it. Tonight, my friend, you don't want to risk salvation. Are you almost... Or all the way to salvation. Second Corinthians 6.2 For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now. Now. King Agrippa was almost to salvation after hearing a clear gospel presentation. Very clear. Very crisp. Very, very simple to believe. If you're not saved, if you have any doubt whatsoever that you're going to heaven 
my friend, you will spend eternity in hell if you don't get that settled. Can you, how do you deal with the unrest in your mind that you don't know where you're going? I know where I'm going. I, I have no fear. I have no doubt because I trust in what God says to me, not what he says to me, not what you say to me. I trust in what God says to me about my salvation. How is your salvation experience? Are you saved? Or are you almost saved like King Agrippa? Remember what I said, almost saved is altogether lost. Almost saved is altogether lost. You need to get it settled. If you're here tonight and you don't have it settled, get it settled. There are many opportunities to answer the call. And will you answer that call tonight? I beg you, if you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, you need to come see me. If you have any doubt, you need to come see pastor. You need to come see me. You need to come see someone who knows how to lead someone to the Lord. Well, gladly, we're here. We want to help you. Are you almost or all the way to salvation? Let's look at our next point, almost or all the way in separation. Please turn to Mark 10, please. Mark 10. Are you almost or all the way in separation? Look at Mark 10, verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. Listen to this. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Are you almost or all the way in your separation? The first step is salvation. Can't be separated until you're saved. Salvation. Then your next step is separation. Separation from what? Well, what was this young man's problem? His great possessions. Now, in this context, is speaking about Getting to heaven. Just so we're clear, this context is speaking about going to heaven. And what must a young man do to get to heaven? Well, he had great possessions that he loved. And that prevented him from going to heaven because he loved his riches more than he loved Christ. But I want us to see, because we're, the majority of us are saved here, this rich young ruler could not face the fact that he would have to sell all his possessions to follow Christ. Christ, in essence, was saying to this young man, listen to this, see whether you love God more than you do your wealth and your material possessions. How's your separation? Are you almost separated or are you all the way separated? Are we almost or all the way in our separation from the world? 
What does the scripture say about the world? What does it say? Are we to be friends with the world? Are we supposed to love the world? Are we supposed to embrace its influences? Are we to allow that into our lives and let it darken our heart, darken our mind, and allow the world to corrupt us? Yeah, I, I, think, that's what, I think that's what the Bible wants us to do, to embrace the world. Yeah. I'm sorry, my friends. I'm going to trust God's word. James 4.4, 4, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the, what's the next word? World is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world, whoa, is the enemy of God. A good way to be God's enemy is to be a friend to the world. You need to be separate from the world. Now, the world, we think of the universe, the cosmos world, the cosmos world. In, in, in particular, speaking of its influences, and how we allow things to come in, allow things to come in from the world, the music, the philosophy, the sin, the drugs, and you name it, the alcohol, and the, it keeps going. We allow that in. And friends, you're harming yourself. As a Christian, you're hurting yourself. As a saved individual, why would you let the world in? Why would you become the enemy of God by letting the world into your life? You see, we, we see life through our own prism, our own perspective. And we think that we can compartmentalize things in our life. Well, I have this, and it's maybe sin. I'm not sure. It, it might be sin. But I know for sure God doesn't really care about this area of my life. Well, I'm sorry. God does care about that area of your life. You need to separate yourself from the world. Touch not the unclean thing, saith the Lord, and I will receive you unto myself. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, please. Are you almost or all the way? Almost or all the way? Almost or all the way in salvation? Are you saved? Almost or all the way in separation? Have you let the world into your life? And are you okay with it? Or have you been desensitized to it? First John 2.15 When I pause, you say the next word. Love not the, neither the things that are in the, if any man love the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the, I love this verse. Let me tell you why. When I was a fresh Christian, <laughs> if I could use that word, when I was a fresh Christian, newborn Christian, I clung to this verse. I clung to this verse like a boat at a dock, clinging to that harbor there, the dock. And I stuck to this verse, and I wanted to live this verse so hard and so just alive. And I said, God, I am going to live my life apart from the world, separate from the world. I'm going to live my life like I should live my life, uh, hating this world. We should hate this world. The world hates us. It hated Jesus Christ. Don't be alarmed if the world hates you. 
I wanted to live this verse. I wanted to just soak this verse in so badly that I was determined. And then I grew older. I became more mature in the Christian walk. And now started to kind of fade away, starting to let things in, starting to let other things in of the world. I said, what, is, what am I doing? You know, This verse, several verses, verse 15 to 17, you should hold on to it. You should cling to it. And remember that when you love the world, you're affecting your spirit. You're affecting your, relation, your fellowship with God. Understand that. When, we let, when, we, when we're okay with the dirty music and when we're okay with you know, things on television that we justify, you really think the power of God is going to be on you? You think the power of God is going to be on me? When we allow the filth of this sinful world in, you think that something's going to happen with your life? God wants to use all of us. But when we are not separate from the world, we're disobeying this commandment here. Look at that lovely verse, verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I love that verse. I love that verse. I want to abide forever. I want to do God's will. That's what I want to do. Do you want to do God's will? If your answer is no, I am so sorry. Let's work together so that we can see what's what's going on. You see, I'm for helping people. I'm for not giving up on people. I pray that I have a deeper, enlarged heart for those that are hurting and struggling. Because it's never the end for someone's life if they're still alive. You should love an individual as much as they need it. As much as they need it. God wants us all the way out of influences of the world. I want you to ask yourself, why did the young man go away grieved and sorrowful? Why did he go away grieved and sorrowful? Here's why. His love for the world and his possessions was greater than the love for Christ. Has the world caught and grabbed your attention so much that you can't follow Christ fully? Think about it. Where are you tonight? Has this world so grabbed you and won't let you go because you've allowed it in? Because church is not fun anymore? Because you don't care anymore? Well, there's a God in heaven. And he sends the Spirit to just keep pressing at you. Come on, let's get right again. Let's get, let's get right again. Come on. Let's just make it right. If you've allowed sinful things into your life, it's time to get it right. This altar here and over there. You know what I think of it as? When I want to make a decision for Christ, I want to show him that I'm humble enough to come to the altar and make a decision. I want him to see... Lord, I'm not going to be stubborn with you. I'm not going to justify anything in my mind. I know it's just a place I can pray, but I want to come forward. I want to kneel. I want to show God, hey, I want to make this, this decision and get this right. I want to make this decision and get it right. 
Are you almost or all the way in your salvation? Are you almost or all the way in your separation? Tonight, I want us to look at our last point. Are you almost or all the way in service? Are you almost or all the way in service? Turn to John 6. John 6, please. John 6. John 6. Sixty-four, please. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Are you also going to go? Those disciples that followed Christ, they were there. They saw the miracles. They saw all that he did. They witnessed it. They wanted more of what Christ had to offer. They, I'm sure, saw many other things that our good Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ could do. But these disciples chose to walk away. Imagine that. Imagine that. What would, what would take a person to see everything that he did and yet walk away? Everything that Christ was talking about was hard to take in. I want you to see that Christ has two types of followers in this instance. Disciples number one, those that gave the outward lip service, those that just followed because of what Christ can do for them, Fulfilling that fleshly, shallow desire. And then I want us to look at disciples number two. Christ had other type of followers, those who had made a heart commitment to Christ. This group has completely surrendered. Note those words, completely surrendered. Note the words again, because we fail at this. We are struggling with this. Completely surrendered their lives, to Christ's call and commission. I want to ask you, I love this point, are you almost or all the way in your service? Are you almost or all the way in your service? Are you just like King Agrippa? You're just going to go a little bit, stop, and continue living your sinful, habitual life? What is it going to be? Almost or all the way. Are you willing to serve and follow Christ almost or all the way? Which is it? Why do we serve? Excuse me. Who do we serve? We serve the living God in heaven. Why do we serve? Because we want to honor and glorify Christ. How do we serve? By offering our time and talents to the Lord through our local church. Through our local church. I want to let you know there are many, many ways to serve in our church. I'm curious if, if someone here tonight has a complaint about our church. It could be grass is not cut. It could be that the facility is dirty. It could be that the 
pews are out of order. Maybe the Bibles and the handbooks are not all set. Could be that there's no one out in the parking lot directing the elderly. Could be a whole host of things. Okay? That's your complaint? Let's you and I go out Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Let's get this place clean. Let's help the elderly on, on Sunday. Let's participate in the nursing home. Let's participate on Tuesday. Do you want to serve Christ? Almost? By your prerogative? By what you feel it's okay? Or do you want to go all the way and say, you know what? This is going to be a sacrifice on me. It's going to hurt me, but I'm going to do it anyway because I don't serve you. I don't serve you. I don't serve you. I serve the living God. That's who I serve. I serve Christ who shed his blood for me. Have we forgotten Isaiah 53? Have we forgotten how Christ went to that cross as a uh, lamb before her shears and how he shed his blood? You know what you need to do? You need to see Christ every day on that cross. You need to see how Christ shed his blood for you. You know, I say that. And I look on some of your faces and I look at my, my face in the mirror as well. And it just doesn't affect us anymore. I wonder why. Our heart has gotten cold. That's why when we read, it just doesn't penetrate. Are you completely surrendered? Are you, are you giving your all to the Lord? Do you see him on that cross? Do you see him bloody and battered and bruised? Do you see his face all ripped apart? Do you see that? Well, that's the God you serve. That's the Christ who died for your sins so that you don't have to go to hell anymore. God, thank you so much for the sacrifice. But brother, bro, brother so-and-so is, you know, he's getting on my nerves. All those bathrooms, those, those bathrooms are filthy. All those people never replaced the, there's no souls being saved. He doesn't know what he's doing. That pastor doesn't know what he's doing. Friends, that's an almost type of Christian. Why don't you be the all the way Christian that says, I'll take care of that. I'll do that. I'll serve there. I'll serve here. Not because I'm serving the people, which we are serving the people, yes. But we're serving the Almighty God, the one who shed his blood for your wretched soul, my wretched soul. Isn't Christ worth it? Or is he not? Or is your comfort level worth more than Christ and his sacrifice? Again, I ask you tonight, are we almost or all the way in our service? Turn to Matthew. Matthew will be our last scripture verse, scripture reference. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. Matthew 20, 26, 26. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. If you read in the Old Testament, I want to say somewhere in Joshua, 
Joshua, Deuteronomy, somewhere around there. You'll see that the greatest title given to Moses, given to Joshua, was the servant. The servant. The minister. The minister. That's the greatest title. I know, many of you know, I kind of, I I, uh, grew up in this church, so to speak. I came out of the Pentecostal church and, you know, now I'm serving here and now I'm working here. Now I serve as an assistant pastor. Um, Thank God for that. But it's only by the grace of God. I never want to get above everyone else and say, oh, I'm I'm the assistant pastor. You need to obey me. No. No. Never. I work alongside of you. What does Corinthians say? We are co-laborers together with God. Who am I to say, I'm above you, you need to do this, you need to start this, you shouldn't do that, you should do this. I am co-laborers together with you, just like we're co-laborers together with God. God has, yes, blessed me with the position of an assistant pastor to help and to lead and to guide, and that's what I'm here for, but I am no greater than my Lord, by which he said he is a minister, and he's here to minister I'm here to minister. Our pastor is here to minister. He is no greater above Christ. We are co-laborers together with God, as well as all of us together. We are a family. We co-labor together. You have problems? Let me grief with you. Let me help you. Let me share the burden with you. I have problems in my life? Well, come minister to me. Someone has a problem in here? Someone has a grief, a loss, whatever it may be. Financial, why don't you minister to that person? That's what Christ came to do. He's a minister. So tonight, where are we? Where are we? How are we on our salvation? Are we almost saved? Are we all the way saved? On our way to heaven and homeward bound to heaven. Are we almost or all the way in separation? Are you loving this world? Are you okay with the things of this world? You shouldn't be. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't like it. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you and wants to remove you from the influences of this world. If you let it in, if you let the world in, and you let it continue and continue, your life is going to be miserable. Are we almost all the way in our separation? Lastly, are we almost or all the way in our service? Do we want to serve in this church? Do we want to serve the Lord in this church? Do we want to serve the Lord in any aspect he asked us to? Is God speaking to your heart tonight and saying, Brother, I want you to go soul winning. What troubles me at times is that we have the same PowerPoint slides that no one pays attention to. And yet, I want you to know they're not in vain. We do need your help. We do need people to volunteer. I don't see it as a waste of time. I have one slide up that I want it up until someone comes, until someone helps. We can use your help. The Lord wants to use us in his ministry. I encourage you, if you're not part of a ministry... Sometimes I feel like Pastor Dave sounds like a broken record, but he wants someone to participate. He wants someone to come. 
They want someone to be a part of what God is doing. Pastor Dave sees things done in the bus ministry every week through the Lord. He does. He does. He's just not up here rambling. He's not over here scrambling to find something to say. I want, he wants, pastor wants, we want people to serve. We want people to help someone else. The choir song, win the loss at any cost. Go out and win. Help them come in. The day is almost done. Low sinks the sun. Go and find them. Go and win them. Win the loss at any cost. That's why we do what we do. That's why we have the ministries we have. Because there are lost souls dying and they need a church like this church here. I don't know how many other churches go soul winning. I don't know what other outreach is done by any other church. But I know that White Oak Baptist Church goes soul winning. And I don't know what the claim is for other churches, but I know that our church does. And our church cares about other people. We have a loving pastor who goes above and beyond to care for people. And I'm sure all of us can attest to that. We have a loving pastor. I will end my sermon with this. Please pay very close attention. Do not go to sleep. Here's the poem. Almost I trusted in Jesus. Almost I turned from my sin. Almost I yielded completely to the sweet striving within. Almost I said, Jesus, save me. Almost submitted my will. Almost persuaded to serve him, but I rejected him still. Almost, but I still resisted. Almost, but never believed. Almost, but waited and waited till the sweet spirit was grieved. Almost, why longer refuse him? Almost, O lost one, believe. Almost, swing open thy heart's door. Jesus, the Savior, receive. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Every head bowed and eye closed, please. Take a moment to pray. Are we almost or all the way? Are we almost saved? We're altogether lost. Sorry. Are we almost in our separation or all the way in our separation? Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Let's not love this world. This world wants to grab and hold you and not let you go. It will if you let it. And are we almost or all the way in our service? Christ's call is there. Will you respond? Let's stand to our feet. The altar is open. If you need to make a decision for the Lord with God, the altar is open.
right. You can be seated just for a moment. Thank you so much, Pastor Mike. Let's give him a round of applause as a thank you for his a follow-up thought on that. Many of you here struggle with whether or not you want to buy all the way in on this. And you go from being consistent to church to sporadic. And then you go from being consistent and serving to no one can find you. And I just have to say that the common excuse I hear is, Pastor, I would serve, but I've got to work through some personal things first. Let me just tell you that when you're serving others, then God takes those personal things away from you. And they seem to work themselves out. And so if you'll just buy all the way in on this, just jump all the way in and and get busy serving God and serving others, I'll tell you. God has a way of helping you. Um, as the chief minister of the church, we, we believe in an upside-down triangle here. The pastor sits at the bottom of the triangle, if you will, turned upside down, and his job is to serve everybody above him, to be their minister. Can I tell you something that about me and, and the assistant pastors? I've gotten to know them quite well over the last two years. We have problems just like you do. We, uh, we struggle through life just like you do. Let me tell you how we get through that. I find that the times I'm at most personal crisis with problems, God sends to seem, seems to send more people into my life that week that need help. And I go to God and I say, I've got this great burden I don't know what to do with in my personal life. Can you take it from me? And someone comes along and I have to set the burden down over here so I can help this person with theirs. And then they leave my office and then I go back to picking up my own burden. And I say, God, but what about my burden? And to answer my prayer, he sends someone else along with the problem. And I lay my burden back down and I help them with theirs. You know what? I get down to the end of the week after having done that. And God's taken my burden away. But until you quit being so self-absorbed in your own problems and start investing yourself in others, God isn't going to take your burdens away from you. And so Pastor Mike encouraged everyone uh, tonight to serve. Everyone here is serving somebody or something. Some of you are really busy serving yourselves. That's why there's no time to serve God. And so quit serving yourself and serve others. It's much, much more rewarding. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Great message this evening. As far as the specifics of what he's talking about, we need help here. I'll get specific. We need help cutting the grass, man. And so enlist and volunteer to be on the sod squad. Uh, we, even have a, uh, we even have a clever name to help draw people. It's not working. Um, so, men, help us out with that. Volunteer, come up one day a week, uh, one day a month, rather, and cut the grass. We can get four or five of you to do that. It goes quick. There have been men to volunteer, but we're looking for consistent volunteers. And Pastor David's always in need of people to clean the buildings. Uh, so, men and women alike, ladies, if you want to come out and wrestle the lawnmower, you're welcome to do that. We're not going to get between you and the lawnmower. So, uh, but uh, see our, uh, our staff. We'd love to help you with that. And then we have outreach on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 and then at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. So get involved. All right. On an excited note, some of you might know Steve Pruce. Stand up for me, Steve. Turn around and face the church there. Signal C. This is Sherry Pruce's uh, brother-in-law. 
And Steve has uh, gotten saved here. He's been baptized here. And this has been a long time coming, but Steve wants to join our church. Really faithful on Friday nights. Um, uh, going to be faithful on Sunday morning and Sunday nights moving forward. I had a really long, positive uh, conversation in my office with Steve last Tuesday. And I'm excited about having Steve officially on board. All in favor of that, say amen. amen. All right, Steve, you can take a seat. I think you're in, my man. So, congratulations. Let's stand to be dismissed tonight. Right outside the uh, lobby doors.